Blog Talk Radio. Uh-oh, hang on. Try it again. Oh. Hold on. I'm there sorry? you go, Tanya. Yeah, all right, we're were, live now? Uh, yes, yes. Muted or something like that. Okay, so I'll start again. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Good evening. I'm Tanya Hathaway, <laughs> and I'm your host with Tanya Talk on Marty Opie's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB FM Lighthouse Christian Radio. Uh, there's uh, quite a thunder and lightning storm going on here, Marty, so stand by just in case I lose service. I know okay. that you keep the show going if I have to call back because right. there's a lot to say. It is Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. So um, I want to thank Stephen Burke for being uh, so amazing and broadcasting these shows uh, live to Oklahoma over the radio there and the surrounding areas. He's not going to chime in tonight because he's out there uh, and he's out there uh, cutting his lawn, but he set everything up so we're on, I believe. But Marty Oakley, thank you so much for everything that you do. Uh, this show is uh, brought to you, our wonderful listeners, and um, we couldn't be doing this without you. We couldn't be – there wouldn't be a reason – for us to be doing this without you. Thank you for listening, trusting, honoring the men and women that are doing the right thing, but also uh, we need to chastise who's doing the wrong thing and uh, make what's wrong right. Uh, you know, uh, the shoe fits both both ways. And, you know, there's I've heard of a saying, there's a fine line between a cop and a criminal. You know, I think that's true in, in some cases. It definitely is true. Um, and we could elaborate on that, but we don't really don't need to. Um, uh, but uh, the show is also brought to you uh, in conjunction with uh, Marcel Reed and the Whistle, in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. Now that festival, it's, it's a summit and fans, forgive me, it's annual. And what is that, Marty, um, that kicks off on, what is it, July 30th? No, 26th uh, starts the summit. We'll be on, the guardianship panel will be on Friday at noon, or Thursday, I'm sorry, sorry, Thursday at noon, and we tried hard to get that spot. Uh, and then the film festival uh, starts actually on the 29th and runs through the 30th. Okay, okay, so it, this ends on Whistleblower Day, National Whistleblower Day. Then, yes, um, yes. Yeah, and they've been running for, as far as the summit goes, for 10 years. Yes. Prior to COVID, of course, this was um, not virtual. So this is year two for it being virtual. I got my uh, yeah. I, I, I got that uh, email today that 
you know, everybody's being recognized that, you know, needs to be recognized, but they're, but they've had so many people now that they're just going to name all the names, <laughs> you know, because there's just yeah. probably not enough manpower time. In the space. Um, right. Uh, um, for your guardian. And uh, let me tell you, you know, the, the summit is not just about that, but it is what no. is most recognized in my opinion. And I've seen it with my own eyes standing only. Rightfully so. Um, Marty brings to the table phenomenal panels every year. She has a permanent position there, as far as I believe, and I think everybody else does, because it would be a great loss if she wasn't there. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to her shows on guardianship, as well as other shows that she is a part of and hosts, um, and we have some great conversations on, on my show because I'm very grateful to be on TS Radio Network. Uh, but sometimes she comes on and we just have great conversations and sometimes they're heated conversations. But what you will always get out of Marty and all of her shows is excellent content, excellent information. You'll find out whether it's an opinion or a fact, Okay. And this is why we need to pay more attention to alternative media. And here you are. So thank you to all of our listeners for doing that. Um, again, if you want to check out National, if you want to sign up, it's not too late to, to watch it free, okay? It, uh, it looks up uh, whistleblowers.com, whistleblowersummit, forgive me.com. Um, and also check out Marty's webpage, PPG. G dot me, PPJG dot me. You'll find a bunch of Tanya, articles there. Tanya. Yep. Tanya, you're yep. cutting in and out. Yep. Oh, boy. Yep. Is that, is that storm or is it just typical? Let's see. Let me let me amp up my um, internet here. Hopefully that's going to help. Is that a little better? Yeah, you sound good there. Thank you. Yeah, definitely let me know because it seems I have to keep going in and, and hitting something to get the best coverage, so I apologize for that. Okay, and I want to say hi to my mom in New Hampshire, um, and she is a faithful, incredible supporter and follower uh, of the show and supporter of, of me. Uh, never did she think her daughter would be um, doing these things, and most people that get engaged and involved in these things never would have imagined. You don't, you know, grow up saying, oh, I'm going to advocate for, I'm going to have a, uh, a, um, a show on uh, public corruption because most of us, you, you know, have more of a positive outlook on our system or at one point we did. The fact is that, um, you, you know, there's some things that go right and there's a lot of things that go wrong. And not every police officer, prosecutor, public defender, or public pretender, public pretenders are no good, right? But not all public defenders, not all judges are bad people, okay? They are not. They are not. There's a lot of good ones out there, but there's also a lot of lousy ones. And if they could only go back to the root of their gosh darn oath, their canons, their, you know, whatever it is that they sign. And how about, doesn't it all bring up our Bill of Rights under and under God we trust, well, guess what? How hard is that to do? Because there's an awful lot of civilians that live that way, that live that way, that have transparency, that don't look for an angle, that, that 
that just have their own code of conduct instilled within them. And there's a lot that don't too, okay, admittedly. But anybody who is in office, who is representing uh, truth, honesty, you know, our, our constitution, you know, our, our laws and a due process, and our God-given right uh, for them to pollute and collude, to me, those sentences need to be double than what somebody else uh, is charged for. You know, let's see if they'll ever get charged with it to begin with. The people that are in office rarely, when you look at the big pic- big picture. So, um, oh boy, this is all about our constitutional rights, people, and there are hundreds and, and thousands of people that are wrongfully convicted, there are hundreds and thousands of people that right now that, that have lost their children or, or their parents to essentially kidnapping, okay, kidnapping. There's also hundreds and thousands of people have gotten not just a raw deal, but have lost everything when it comes to trust and probate because there's called there's something called RICO, judicial RICO, where they're stealing your assets. I know a number of cases where this has happened, and I know that that is not. You find out. You find out that you're not alone. And once you learn that, once you learn that, in a sense, it's a big relief because you feel like you might be going crazy and you might feel like you are alone. You're not. That's a big problem, that it's the fact that you're not alone, that it isn't a fluke, that it isn't a mistake. But what it is is a motivator, and that's why we are here to not just vent, but to try our best to make what's wrong right. All right, a couple of housekeeping announcements. Uh, Daryl Wiggins. Uh, Daryl Wiggins uh, was received an email. Uh, there was an email received on his behalf today to inform him that the results, as we know, of the board review um, were recommend, he's recommended for the parole. The recommendation will be sent to the governor who will either grant or deny the offender's parole. If the offender is granted parole, you will be notified of the offender's release. So this was to his wife, Leslie, and she shared this with me. If you wish to submit written comments, and, and this will be shared after the show. I did not want it to take away from um, the promotion of the show, but it's very important, uh, especially for everybody who stood up, heard about this, and, and you know, did their part in helping. Um, so I'll post this information um, after the show uh, where you can uh, reach out to the governor. And on, um, on Daryl Wiggins' behalf, let's get this going because it's my understanding, if, as long as it was unanimous, he was going to sign. So it just got in front of him. Let's hope that happens. I have one other little bit of housekeeping, a message to anybody that is listening right now that's inside, uh, behind the bars. Um, just be, in, I'm bringing this up because it was brought to my attention today. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm an advocate. I believe in, you know, I, I, I've advocated for all colors, all races, all, you know, all, all political beliefs, you know, all ages. Well, not, none, of that, none of that stuff matters to me because... What matters is due process, okay? So some people would never believe what my political beliefs are, although my social beliefs are different than political beliefs. But the fact is that, you know, when you've got advocates that are out there working really hard to try to potentially save your life, 
give you freedom, all right? You know, when I hear, when I actually see evidence of somebody with, you know, a rogue name who's behind bars, okay, uh, and, you know, they're they're posting weed, you know, and they're known as, as a big gang, uh, a dealer, and to come to find out part of a gang, um, guess what? You know, cross me off your freaking list, okay? I know that you're, if you're listening right now, I know that you're innocent and, and you're in there under really bad, bad terms, but you're not going to prove anything to anybody. I hope people are listening to this that are doing this that, that, I, that don't even know me, but you're not helping yourself. You're not helping yourself if you're being stupid and doing those things, okay? You're being stupid. That is not part of prison survival, okay? That's not part of it. I'm sorry. But cross me off your list because you're not on mine anymore. Um, one person, anyways. Uh, not on mine anymore. I will not support you. So that's just the way it is. Now, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. There's other people that are doing right and and I don't and that deserve more attention than if you're in there doing that BS. Uh, you're you're not a mentor. You're not ready to be released. Okay, you're you're nowhere near ready. Nowhere near ready. So there's a saying. You know, there's a saying. Then this goes for all of us. No matter who we are and what we do and don't do, pure heart and an empty head is no excuse. Right? Pure heart and an empty head. So right now I feel like I had an empty head, you know, because I wasn't aware of this. So I want to thank the person who let me know and showed me uh, this information. We've got each other's backs. But, um, yeah, so I want to thank that Oklahoma advocate that shared that with me because I have better things to do than to try to get whoever does this out in the streets, regardless of whether you were innocent or not. And I was fighting for you because you're innocent, Okay. Well, grow up, young man. You went the wrong way. Um, okay, so that's what I have to say about that. You know, we've got the guys like Ricky Oscar Williams, uh, Perry Lott, and now Daryl Wiggins about to be free. Those are the kind of men that are worthy of fighting for. Um, and uh, that being said, hmm, forgive me, I'm, I'm just going through my notes. My event is over, and, you know, we're on to uh, – Worthy causes, and once again, the the Lawton Four is still one of them. Um, but uh, but we're on this right now, and uh, and this is George W. Gap Gates. Angie, you're with us now. Um, yes. We. I'm just looking for my notes on uh, the recap. Okay, recap from last week. Last week, and um, there was a written suit um, for, for a complaint for a declaratory and injunctive release in April 1993. I'm, I'm quoting this right now. One of the major prison uprisings in United States history took place at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility in Lucasville, Ohio. Nine prisoners and one correctional guard were killed. Five prisoners were sentenced to death including four of the prisoner plaintiffs in this suit, and numerous other prisoners were sentenced to lengthy sentences, including the fifth prisoner in the litigation in the complaint, George W. Skate. 
number 173-501. I might have missed a number there. The appointed judge is Judge Zargas. George is under a sentence of death. He is, a, he is in the general population on death row now at the Colossic, Chilosic, I'm sure you'll pronounce this better than I will, Angie, Correctional Institution. Um, <clears throat> Angie, well, we're, yes. what we're going to talk about tonight is the fact that not only was he wrongfully charged, convicted, and sentenced to death in that case, but what got him there um, yes. also is, uh, I believe, that it's a death penalty, too. So know this, that George escapes is innocent. Uh, if you look on the page, Journeys to Justice, and, you know, it goes all the way around the Internet. If you look on that page, you're going to find a bunch of websites, uh, a bunch of pages, uh, things that are written um, on him that are uh, about George that tell you more of the accurate story because there's a lot of stories out there, and, you know, there are some caveats to some, and there's and some just need to be corrected. But what has been shared on Journeys to Justice um, are the web pages that I've been advised um, are are good to share. There is as well a fundraiser, uh, and we don't push that hard. You all know that. And on the page I said, hey, nobody's gonna, nobody uh, is being asked to donate uh, to anything until you just get yeah. to know the story. No one's going to try to convince you of anything. It's either going to be, you know, your your decision or not. But uh, this guy has been abandoned by the federal uh, prosecutors, uh, federal, forgive me, defenders too, public defenders. So we've got uh, Angie Dent on with us, and she is the advocate extraordinaire and has really taken this by lead. She is very close to the family, and she's also very, very close to the family of um, the initial char, uh, the initial sentence that was handed down to George, um, uh, the family of Arthur Smith, because Arthur Smith was murdered, and he didn't do it. He did not do it. We're talking about snitch testimony that is the most disgraceful kind of thing that you could possibly imagine. We're going to talk more about that. But we also have with us Connie Hughes, and she is a private investigator, a paralegal, and I believe I heard from another podcast that you were just on, um, Connie, that you also are getting your master's in criminal justice. I'm not sure, but welcome to the show. Thank you for your patience. Thank you. Can you hear me? (laughs) I can hear you. Okay, yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Angie, for being on with us. I really appreciate it. And there's there's tons of material, which is bittersweet. You know, it's bitter because it has to be. Of all these things that equate to really a perfect storm for that man that doesn't doesn't pretend to be a perfect person, but uh, but he certainly did not commit these crimes. And when you compare... Not that, you know, I mean, if somebody deserves to be in jail, they, they deserve to be in jail. But he wouldn't be if the truth was told here. And if you didn't have uh, jailhouse snitches get total immunity when they have had multiple lifetime sentences and egregious violent crimes um, that uh, where 
George actually never committed a violent crime uh, that got him behind uh, those bars. Uh, he he's admittedly uh, he prior, his admitted priors were um, you know uh, car theft I think it was and 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 some weed. So uh, yeah. yeah, so and he's not trying to pretend to be perfect. He's willing to tell the truth, but doggone it, you know, um, let's tell the truth. And Connie Hughes, we have you with us? Yes. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You're a rock star. So, again, we're probably going to go a little Tarantino style, but I had referred to earlier talking to Angie was turpentine style. <laughs> 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 but Tarantino style as we navigate back and forth as necessary, but we'll try to soundtrack best we can. Uh, but there are certain things that you're going to hear us go back and forth on um, that will be pertinent to point out when it is being pointed out. Um, so uh, we would like to start with, you know, Arthur Smith. Uh, he is the man that was murdered that uh, George has been charged for. And what can you tell us about Arthur Smith? Are you asking Connie? Are you going first? Either of you can chime yeah. in as you see fit. Uh, and I'll, and ahead, I'll, I'll, I'll designate a name. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, well, um, Angie has, has done an incredible amount of work in investigating and coming up with all the, the different um, issues surrounding the case. And I've, I kind of just started out with, you know, she would call me, what, we got this, what do we do? And I would kind of give her a, a direction and um, she would go with it. And just the, just the information that she's been able to uncover that casts doubt in, in the whole um, process from the beginning, from the get-go, was amazing. And then... Some- um, most people come to you, Connie, and, you know, they ask you to do something, you give them a price, and you'll do it. I mean, in this case, you, you, you know, their, their, uh, their financial capacity has been, it's, it's been dwindled. And so she brought everything to you instead of, as opposed to asking you to do it. Is that correct? Right. They did not, yeah, they did not hire my services to actually investigate the case, which is what I normally do um, as far as my business goes. Um, But I do post-conviction and wrongful convictions, and and that's my my specialty, and that's what I'm passionate about. And so... And this really intrigued you, didn't it, this story? Yes. Yes, and you know I'm a I'm a sucker. I want to help people that I feel that are, you know, in a bad spot and and wrongfully convicted. And I would donate all my time if I could. It, you know, if you could afford it. If I had more of a team, but I just kind of volunteered. Um, yeah, and that's not my ex- sucker. That's like they did a ton of work. You know, you probably saw that, respected it, and saw the case, and holy smokes, this is crazy. Absolutely. Well, then um, some some things kind of came into play with uh, 
the possibility of the district attorney maybe relooking at the case um, based on the actual family members of Arthur Smith, the victim, mm-hmm. um, talking now, to them. Now, what's the relationship with the family members, if you want to let us know? You, you know, I know I've said it already, but if you want to share why the family members are actually, you know, allies. Essentially, they want justice as well because they know that, George didn't Absolutely. Do it, right? Well, okay. and yeah. this is, you know, I haven't talked to any of the family members. Angie's very close, but just reading through some of the the documents was which ultimately I ended up doing and and putting the report together. The investigative summary is with what Angie found, with what going through the documents, the the family of Arthur Smith um, was was supporting George's innocence from the get-go, from the very beginning. And they were trying to get this information to the district attorneys and law enforcement, and they wouldn't listen to them. They slammed the doors in their faces. They, you know, they didn't want to hear it. So, okay, so let's get back to, uh, for our listeners, because we haven't gotten there yet, Angie, what is it that took place on that fateful day where Arthur Smith, who George is accused of murdering, what happened? What to, well, that's a multi-million dollar question. Of course. Um, it would be what, nice what to ask. was it? It was the uh, governor because there were pictures. In... Well, there were pictures. There's evidence that's missing, so it's hard to put the whole story together. Um, I'm not sure well, what you're looking for. You did it with me really well. Um George went to a store, right? So let's talk about, you know, where he was present in that store where Arthur Smith uh, was He was never um, in the store. Manager. I'm sorry? Yeah. George was never in that store. He didn't – he nor, from what the records show, um, Jimmy Rogers, the, the jailhouse um, informant, was ever in Bell Fountain. They were not familiar with Bell Fountain. George was from another oh. town, and so was Jimmy. Um, but it okay. was said in court, this is what it said. This is not the truth. Right, that's what but I in court it was said. Forgive me, my bad. You know, it's okay. Um, Jimmy, there was a witness named Jimmy Rogers who was serving 37 to 100 years in prison for previous armed robberies, kidnappings, felonious assault. I mean, and these were admitted crimes. But he was serving 37 to 100 years. Um, he was upset with George because George would not bond him out on his appeal. So he knew that he could trade George with the prosecutor because the prosecutor was a little crooked and um, he made a deal with the devil. Um, So he said that he and George went to the rinks in Bell Center and Bell Fountain, that Mr. Smith came out of the store, that he was hit over the head. Variety store or whatever. Rinks is like a um, what a big lot, something like that. Okay, right. Okay, like a big lot. Um, so they have okay. Yeah, yeah. And they also closing play, time. And they sell guns there too, right? They sell guns. Um, there's also a drugstore that Gray Drugs owns the pharmacy, and that was inside okay. Rinks. So it was said okay. that I, mean, I don't know which theory you want me to tell because with that, it's a whole other theory. That the theory that puts him behind bars. 
The reason or the theory? Theory. <laughs> I'm not trying to be difficult. No, no, no. The oh, theory no, is I know you're not. A... This is, this really is, peel back the onion little by little. It's, this is yeah. quite, uh, quite a, quite a story. It's quite a story. Yeah. Arthur so, Smith uh, stumbled across some information that got him murdered because of guns and drugs being taken out of the store, out of the back door. It's said by officials of Logan County and Bell Fountain. Um, they would sell, they would file off the serial numbers of the guns, sell them to people around Ohio or wherever. Once they had the gun, the officers would pull them back over and get them for having a stolen gun. So the officers were a part of this. Some, not all, because we have good and bad. But, you know, there were a couple, and it was said that Arthur Smith stumbled across this information. He did tell his adult children that he was keeping documentation, a little black book, um, and he knew who was doing what, and he was about to bring it out. And a week later, he was murdered. So... That's one theory. The, and there uh, were no uh, cameras in the uh, store or anything like that that captured any of this because I don't believe there were cameras. However, in the, in the prosecutor's handwritten notes, it's written. It says, "Waiting for Rink's pictures to be developed or to receive." So there were pictures, there were photos taken, but there's no evidence left. It's all gone. A man is on death row, and they don't have any evidence. The prosecutor's office lost it. Yeah, lost it. Lost it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So this is this is quite a this is really quite a web. So you've got um federal defense uh uh federal public defenders that have been sitting on information for twenty years that are exculpatory on his behalf for the Lucasville case. Uh, and they haven't done anything with it. Uh, and it, the last thing that was done on that case was uh, in 2017, there was a filing, and what was that for? My, to file the motion to expand the file? Um, yes, the motion gag to order. expand the file. And, gag and they're not allowed to speak a whole lot, and we're not supposed to speak a whole lot, but if it's public record, we can speak all we want. Um, George is not even allowed the discovery in his own case in Lucasville. They they will not give him his discovery to even be able to defend himself. They've done nothing. There was an investigator, investigator that came in from Los Angeles, California, back in 2002 and really thoroughly investigated both cases, the murder of Arthur Smith and the Lucasville. And it was an amazing investigation, and it uncovered a lot. And really, that's where we got a lot of our information, by just following up on their leads. Unfortunately, a lot of people that that investigator spoke with is dead now because it's 20 years later. And and I've spoke with the federal public defenders. I've had to give them information on where to even locate people that they still have not help investigated, whether it's Lucasville or help. Bell Fountain. They're not. Uh-huh. George right. is begging right. us to to do something. You know, that's He's a whole being other... stonewalled every way he turns, everywhere he turns. He's being stonewalled. He feels, he feels like that um, it's po- political, and you know, yes. death penalty is a lot of p- political anyway. And um, he's afraid. He he feels that the attorneys, if they get him off of any of these cases, their career is over. 
But I'll tell you what, uh-huh. if there's an attorney willing to take uh, it, there we go back their to the, oh, starting because this is amazing. I'm can sorry? you repeat that? No, then we go back to the oath. They're afraid to lose their jobs. But but forget the, the, uh, the oath and forget, you know, the fact that other people are losing their lives. You know, they've stolen, people are kidnapped. He is essentially kidnapped, being held hostage for something they know he didn't do. Because, you know, he was 36. One of them made a, uh, a quoted that um, – you know, and uh, the prosecutor said that you'll never find out. You'll never find out yeah. who really did it or something like that, right? Yes, they did say that. That is a quote. We we will never know who, what really happened, who really killed the officer, Officer for landing him. Um, and that, also, and there's he a quote. was one officer that was killed inside of the Lucasville riot. Mm-hmm. Fortunately. So, there's also a George quote by the prosecutor. Prosecutor in court to Anthony Lavelle, um, it was asked, what the prosecutor said was, we offered Mr. Skates this deal. Had Mr. Skates chosen to talk to us and tell us the truth, he would be on the stand testifying and Mr. Lavelle would be fighting for his life. But Mr. Skates chose not to cooperate or talk. And for this, I make no apologies. And that's what the prosecutor said during court. And, th- and that's crazy. So now we get to the jailhouse snitches, okay? And some of them call, uh, call them uh, criminal or, or uh, informant, CIs. Okay, well, I pulled up a little article here. And, Connie, I'm going to want some input on you and, and some of the more of the pertinent information uh, uh, that you have uncovered and you've worked together with, too. Um, you know, I, I just how this went so bad. But it has to do very much with, it's it's false testimony. It's it's like nailing it on somebody. Oh, we offered him a deal. You know, well, George is the man who will not snitch. He has a, 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 a it's an honor. It's a code. It's a code that he does not um, that he does not cross that line with. So he does not snitch. You know, there's a lot of good reasons not to be a snitch in prison. Number one is you stay alive, right? But also You've got to, you know, got to have respect. If you don't have respect, and that's one of the reasons why he was the, the man who was the voice, the negotiator in the Lucasville, but he's not a snitch. So he hears things, he sees things, but he's minding his own business. You know, it's up to the people to do what they're supposed to do, right? It's up to the people to do what they're supposed to do and get to the truth, not trade lives just to uh, get the deal done and be a hero in the eyes of the public and never be able to let out the real innocent people because this is signed, sealed, and delivered, and that's the story, and we're sticking to it, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you never know the truth, Mr. and Mrs. Public or advocate or daughter or, or you know, brother or, or whatever it is. So um, there's an article, and it's put out by, um, let me see, this article is, and I'm going to want your input, um, uh, Connie, and I'll stop doing talking because I want you guys to do much more of the talking. Okay, the shadowy world of jailhouse informants explained. Google that. Google that. Go ahead and Google that. I'm just going to read one paragraph within this. Criminal informants 
are incentivized by a wide range of benefits to produce information for the government. The most common benefit is a leniency for the informant's own crimes. But informants also work for all sorts of other things, including drugs, money, uh, improved conditions of confinement or legal immigration status for themselves or family members. Government officials, conversely, have strong reasons to ignore informant wrongdoing and unreliability in order to win cases. Officials have been known to lie, break rules, cut corners, and even commit additional crimes to create, reward, and protect their informants. The entire market is challenging to track and regulate because so many of its operations are secretive and informal. In all these ways, the informant deal threatens the integrity of the criminal process. Boy, oh boy, there's no leniency behind bars because these people are out there free. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> I I have a really hard time with, uh, you know, um, giving any kind of benefits to anybody in order to <clears throat> try and get at the truth because whenever you have to offer somebody any kind of leniency, whether it's immunity, um, uh, you know, a lesser sentence, um, any time that you do that, some, I mean, a lot of them even get charges dismissed or, you know, it goes oh, away. Yeah. It, As it, did, what's in, his name? Roger? Yeah, Jimmy Rogers. Yeah. And, and, and the, the sad thing is, is once you, and it's just human nature, when you provide anybody with an opportunity at whether it's freedom, whether it's, uh, you know, to be with their family, whether it's money, whether it's power, their motivation is going to be to do whatever they have to to get it. And that's just human nature. And so they prey on these jailhouse informants to provide the information that they want to fit their case. And that's what they, they do. Exactly. And they don't care at this point. If it fits their case and it fits what they're trying to do and it's going to get them a conviction, they'll do anything for it. But, you know, um, if it doesn't fit their case, you know, like Danny Stanley, when he came forward and, and basically went the opposite direction, they didn't want to hear it. You know, so, so there are three to me, key right? In this case, yes. you want to talk yes. about them, and then, all right, why don't you guys both well, go ahead? That's pretty much what initiated this whole uh, process to begin with. Um, the murder of Arthur Smith actually happened in '79, and it went. It was what '83 before. Yes anything ever happened and it was because um Jack Benton came forward and he was in prison at the time and Wait, you said 1989 is no 83 but 83 79 okay. yeah 79 is when the murder take took place okay. um okay. it went unsolved mm-hmm. until 83 when Jack Benton came forward and started disclosing this information to law enforcement. 
and he was in prison at the time and (laughs) put out some names that instigated more um, testimony from other people that were in prison serving time that were all associated with this, yeah, of this Jimmy Rogers. Um, George's, yeah, so they were all given all these benefits, these, these promises to keep providing them more and more information. Um, now, Jimmy Rogers, he wound up not even testifying, didn't he? He was called, what yeah, he called he did. Shotgun Pearl? No, Jimmy Rogers actually testified, and his testimony was the only thing that they used or they, they used to convict George. That was it. Yeah. Jimmy Rogers convicted of perjury on three different occasions Okay, and was also initially indicted on all the same charges. He was actually indicted for the murder of Arthur Smith to begin with, too. Right, right, right. And also, Arthur Smith's wife was charged, too, wasn't she, at one point? Uh, I don't know if she was ever officially. Yeah, I think she was. Yeah, Jimmy Rogers' wife was. Oh, Jimmy Um, Rogers' wife was. Forgive me. Yeah. That's right. And they used. I got that mixed up. Yeah, and they they used those two to get. Jimmy Rogers to come forward and basically put it all on George. Right. Now there's some pretty fishy stuff that was going on behind the scenes there with the, um, uh, regarding. Uh Uh-oh. She's cutting out. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Hold on. Let me fix that. Can you hear me now? Yep. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Keep talking if I'm cutting out, okay? It's okay because we want to get you in as much as we can. This okay. is going to be ongoing. Are you there? Well, yep. I can hear, hear you. you. Okay. Can I ask you one question? Is there anything forensic, is there anything that shows up on this murder? against, uh, you know, the murder of Arthur Smith, either in this door or any forensic anything, any proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that that points to George. Is there anything no. at all other than snitch testimony? None. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. There you go. There's forensics on other people. They fingerprinted the family, the victim's family, but not not others. There's no evidence against George. So whatever happened to the prongs of uh, criminal convictions, right? Whatever happened to that? Well, what happened to the power of the prosecutor? That's what it is. It was the power of the prosecutor and the good old boys. The small town. What are some you know, of the perks that uh, Jimmy Rogers got? In, uh, both oh, of let his, me tell that, please. <laughs> okay. Um, after, when he was in Southern Ohio Correctional Institute, when he 
came forward with his information, his fabricated thing. Um, there was a sheriff, retired sheriff now. He is a trustee now. His name is, this is public record, so his name is Philip Alloway. And he went to the prison himself, picked up Jimmy Rogers. Jimmy Rogers had counsel. They didn't let counsel know they were doing this. Brought him back to the prosecutor, Douglas McGalvery's office, and proceeded to feed him the information. And I know this because we have handwritten notes by the prosecutor that says information provided, gave the details. Um, you know, they didn't let his, his attorney know that they were even talking to him. So what else did he get? He got a, um, a racquetball club membership because he wasn't getting the exercise that he was getting when he was in prison. And he played racquetball with the officers. He went to the VFW and drank. He smoked pot. His wife spent many nights with him. He went to the school and watched his daughter's baton and watched his son's baseball game. And he was supposed to be in but prison for 37 to 100 too. years. He, go ahead. Old now. He's out. He got out in 2005. Mm-hmm. And there's, Free man. there's also, yeah, and there's no, there's also no physical or forensic evidence that Jimmy was even there that night. And actually, there's a lot of testimony uh, on record in the court documents that kind of prove that he was just making all this up. And so whether it was information that was being fed to him by the prosecution and law enforcement or whether he gathered all the details that he needed to put a story together from the media. Right. Exactly. And I need to make a correction, by the way. It wasn't weed uh, for George. It wasn't weed. It was forgery and auto theft. Okay, it was forgery and auto theft. So I just uh, rechecked a note. So I'll have to correct myself. Don't like being wrong, but I'll admit it in a second. So he, he was not, his prior was not weed. It was forgery and auto theft. Okay. So nothing that's violent. Some of uh, um, Rogers, Jimmy Rogers' violent offenses that um, he was found beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, guilty of. He, well, in this case, he admitted to the murder of Arthur Smith. Whether he did or not, I, who knows? He admitted to it, though. Um, he received immunity, total immunity for that. Like I said, and then he and he so he admitted to the murder of Arthur Smith. But how did he get George involved in it? If he admits to it, does he say that George was there too? He he claims that that night that Arthur Smith disappeared, it was he and George that kidnapped uh, Mr. Smith, put him in his trunk of his car that he drove a Volkswagen, put him in the trunk of his car, and Jimmy drove while George had the gun on Mr. Smith drove out to a country road where they don't know they're at. Jimmy felt that he was having issues driving the Volkswagen because he said there was a clutch in it. And he dropped George and Mr. Smith off out in the country and the money, supposedly. Jimmy drove the car back to town, parked the car in the apartment complex, picked up his car, came back out, picked up George, and George said, I had to see the MFR. So he didn't even so said see anything. What? That's what happened. That's hearsay. I'm sorry. Right. So everything is hearsay, but he was trying to do in with George because George wouldn't bond him out. Right. So he, he would so not bond George him was out. somebody that he knew, so that would allow him to reasonably, you know, persuade the prosecutor to believe that um, 
because they knew each other. If I, if I, if I, you know, I'm going for immunity, you know, I was there. So was George, you know, yeah. as a part of it. But you have to give me immunity, and and uh, and he got it. So he could reasonably uh, put together the fact that um, they knew each other. Uh, and they, how long did they know each other for? Like, what was their relationship uh, um, like prior to prison? For uh, it's my understanding from the records that Jimmy and George met at the boys' industrial school when they were young, under under eighteen. And Jimmy mm-hmm. was getting into a little bit of trouble. George had a rough upbringing. Um, not yeah. that anyone's using anything as an excuse. Society no, and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that we talk about that because it's not the okay. difference between right or wrong, but it's right. no sometimes, some of the backstory. Okay. He, um, George had gotten into a little bit of trouble here and there, too, like you, like you said about those two convictions. Um, at 36, he, uh, he had straightened his life up. He had a five-year-old son, I think he was. He had a wife, a house. He was trying to do well. And um, he, that's why part of the reason why he wouldn't bond Jimmy out. He wasn't, didn't want to be part of the stuff anymore. Um, right. If, if he bails out Jimmy, like Jimmy's never going to leave him alone. Well, Jimmy was a bad, Jimmy is, was a bad guy. There yeah. was, he admitted to, I, I probably have the number wrong, so I'm just going to say a number. Approximately 15 um, felonies including armed robberies, kidnapping, safe cracking, uh, a felonious assault, breaking and entering, burglary, you name it. Jimmy had those charges. Now, and I know that for a fact. George yeah. didn't have any of those charges. So Jimmy was looking at quite some time. Those were admitted to. Yeah. He and his wife yeah. in this Jack Benton. So what's so, the incentive you know, like for Jimmy? Jimmy has everything to lose if he does not do something like what he did. He has everything to lose. You know? Right. Yeah, but he, was, he, he charged his wife. Yeah. Well, he charged his wife with murder originally. And I feel like, which I could be wrong, Connie could correct me, um, they charged Diane Rogers with the murder first. I feel like that right. helped secure Jimmy, um, whether he wanted to or not. I don't know, but that helped secure the story for the prosecutor. Prosecutor wasn't happy because uh, I guess George, there was business being moved into Bell Fountain. Prosecutor said was known to be selling marijuana and some other drugs, and George was. It was said that he was selling some. Somebody had taken it into Bell Fountain and started dipping into the prosecutor's money, and so he. He wasn't. He didn't care. George was expendable. George was no one. And then, and it was the it was the first name he got in order to possibly solve this crime, or to, yes. you know, bring about a, a conviction because this is this is the first name he's actually, or the first break in the case, you know, and. And there's a lot of pressure on, on prosecutors and law enforcement to solve, mm-hmm. you know, cases mm-hmm. like this when it's gone on as long as it has. And so when they mm-hmm. see, you know, an opportunity and it all, you know, fits into yeah. a, a, a you know, the story they want it to be, they'll go with it. And they make the evidence fit what they want it to fit because the pressure 
that they have on them to solve this case. And, and you know, there's a the What do you think about grand juries? Uh, you know, I mean, oh. I, I know my brother, as I brought up, he's, you know, prosecutor, and he's, he's, he's in grand jury an awful lot. And some people have really bad, um, you know, they feel that grand juries are horrible. But for the case of my brother anyways, I like it because you present a case to, you know, a grand jury and, and, and you hear from them, you, you know, does this, you know, you hear from them. It's like a preview of the case, you know, based on the facts that are put in front of them, not hearsay or jailhouse yeah. snitch. You know what I'm saying? That's not very it's, it, it's arduous, but it's, hmm? Not in this case. That is by far not what happened. Um, there right. were people that testified in the grand jury against George that had no idea about this case. They were fed information. It's on audio um, interview oh that they were fed information, and they testified at the grand jury, but they were not called to testify during the, the, the trial. They weren't even involved in the trial. They received benefits and never even followed through in the trial. They recanted their stories. It was said that when George, they never, so no one ever thought George would be found guilty. Fair? Is that what you're saying? They, they, they set it up before grand jury, so that way when they went to grand jury, grand jury would indict him. Because, I mean, but it was, it was not even based on fact. They didn't so, yeah, again, the well, no there's the no trial. forensic evidence. There's no beyond a shadow right. of a doubt. And if you have a judge that is not giving need to make a determination of, or if the judge is allowing the suppression of, uh, you know, if they're not being properly ordered on how they're supposed to rule, you know, um, and if there's exculpatory evidence being denied, and my God, George is not even allowed to have his own transcripts for his own defense. This is unconstitutional. That's what it is. And that's the bottom well, freaking line. Go and you've got to realize with the with the grand jury, they're just they're just deciding if there's enough probable cause to right. actually charge people. So they they don't have all the information. They don't have all the evidence. They don't have, right. you know, everything that you would bring into trial in order to make right. a decision. The they're just the making make a decision. If right. If, if what if they're if what they're presenting to the grand jury is legitimate issues and evidence and actual probable cause that was legally obtained that you know um, right is is not just jailhouse jailhouse informant testimony or hearsay and, and that was you know was submitted to the grand jury in George's case. Was was uh, jailhouse snitch testimony? Does the well, jury, does the grand jury, know what was at stake and what was given to what was given to uh, this career criminal? And uh, and you know uh, for this these lies. Well, and that's the thing is, yes. you know, most of the people that testified were part of that whole you know, um, group of people. And most times you can't get, I mean, grand jury trials, testimony, all of that information is secretive. 
they don't they don't allow grand jury um you know the evidence that's presented a lot of times they don't allow that to the public you know they they don't get to see that so um right but did the grand, grand jury know what the snitches were getting in, in, in for giving this information I don't think that ever came out because it was no, it was not even really known at that time what was going to be given and and what wasn't. Right, but what led right. the grand jury to say, "Yay, go ahead." You know, if there's no they, forensic they believed they 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 believed what the witnesses were telling them. Exactly, and the grand jury should know that these are jailhouse snitches and what they're being given for this testimony. Exactly. Well, the grand jury, grand jury is too. Well, and the yeah, and the grand jury is just your normal everyday citizen that gets right. just like a, a you know. And if they're not given the information, they are just assuming that the people testifying and providing the evidence are credible. It's, oh, it's, exactly, exactly, and that you know the prosecutors are doing their job. La di da da. We only have a couple minutes left, but uh, this flew by, and I had a lot that I had yeah, to talk yeah. about before we got started. But uh, Angie, I know that you have a statement that was important uh, to get out. Uh, do, do you, do you yeah, think there's yeah. time? You know, go ahead. Yeah, Please. I think um, the question that wants to be posed is, how can a prosecutor take a person into court? in a court of law, put on a show for the jury, and convict an innocent man twice. How can that happen in America's court of law? Especially when you have others that have confessed to the crime that you're sitting there for. It's soulless, soulless people absolutely soulless. May they burn in hell. Soulless. You know, you said something yesterday, Tanya, I just want to add, you know, you said something that there's a reason, there's a purpose. We were talking about, you know, the guest from yesterday, and that's what we tell George. Yes, it sucks. It sucks bad. But people are learning and, and you're standing for something. George is, uh, George is, can be in everyone's heart. And he's he in mine. And, uh, and we're going to continue with this. Uh, this, this is just, you know, touching the surface. Um, again, I look forward to um, interviewing with him. Uh, and, um, and I know it can't be live, so it will be shared uh, separately. And this is We've Scratched the Surface, people, and I need to actually – um, call tonight for tonight, but Connie, I, I hope that you can continue to come on with us. Uh, I appreciate you, and I did not give you nearly enough air time um, because I had a lot of air that I gave out before we really got rolling on this. <laughs> Angie, Angie, thank you, and Connie, uh, oh, thank, you. thank you so much. Um, yes, thank you. And you what I want to say is uh, to, to our listeners, please. Um, a tune back in on this Sunday, all right? I'm not sure for the whole show is going to be about this. We're going to finish it on George Gage and who 
who done it? Who killed Arthur Smith? But let's get justice for all, and that's including Arthur Smith's family. All right, I'm Tanya Hathaway, and I'm your host of Tiny Talks. Where you're your night, and God bless.